The Eastern Shore Land Conservancy is truly a renaissance organization. With a proud history of land conservation, the Conservancy also operates the Center for Towns, a program focused on the health and sustainability of the Eastern Shore's historic communities. As a part of that work, the organization has focused on several key rehab efforts, including the Phillips Packing Plant Project in historic Cambridge, Maryland. This week on A Preserve Cast, we'll talk with Katie Parks-White, the Vice President of Conservation for the Conservancy, to learn about this fascinating project and what's at stake for the future of the shore. From Preservation Maryland Studios in the historic podcast district of Baltimore, this is PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today we are joined by Katie Parks-White, who is the Vice President of Conservation at the Eastern Shore Land Conservancy based in Easton, Maryland. Katie joined ESLC with more than 11 years of real estate experience in the private and public sectors, most recently serving at the Maryland Department of Transportation. She received her bachelor's degree in business administration and her master's degree in business administration from the University of Baltimore. Outside of work, Katie enjoys paddleboarding the beautiful waterways of the Eastern Shore. Katie, is it a pleasure to have you with us here today on PreserveCast? Thank you, Nick. Happy to be here. Yeah, so this is great. Katie, so interest of full disclosure, Katie and I work together regularly uh, and conspire on a lot of different projects and issues. And so we're excited today. We're going we're gonna to focus in on a specific project that Preservation Maryland is going to be highlighting through its Six to Fix program um, that is near and dear to Katie. She is in living and breathing the Phillips Packing Plant. But before we get there, like all interviews here on PreserveCast, we'd love to kind of get to know the person we're talking to. So Katie... Where did you grow up and what took you on the path to preservation and in this case, conservation? Sure. So I grew up on the beautiful eastern shore of Maryland on Ken Island. Um, I say my journey was not directly towards conservation and preservation. I think growing up, I had access to an abundance of beautiful and inherent assets, uh, land and water that we have on the Eastern Shore and, and didn't quite develop and fully understand how very uh, lucky I was and how much I loved those those landscapes until I uh, was a little bit older and had gone to college and then was living in an area that was a bit different than the region that I had grown up. And I realized that I was missing all of the things that I was excited to go off and um, leave behind on my new adventures. So I my path to conservation, which then led me to preservation, which is kind of the opposite there, was through transportation originally. Uh, worked in a couple different resources in a consulting firm, engineering consulting firm, and then in the secretary's office of the Department of Transportation, and hit a point in my life where I wanted to be investing my time and resources into work that I felt directly impacted the communities that I cared about most. And that was the Eastern Shore. And so you came back. You, you, had you ever left the shore in terms of actually living? I did. I lived on what we call the Western Shore, which is another part of Maryland and um, Millersville and then in Baltimore County. And really was craving to come back to the Eastern Shore and so made that transition back to the shore living first and was commuting 
from the Eastern Shore over to the Western Shore and found that um, that did not make me a better person. And I wanted to kind of find more balance in my life and focus more on kind of quality of life and, again, investing myself into work that I felt like truly impacted the, at the community level. So during my time at the Department of Transportation, one of the projects that I worked on was looking at the redevelopment of an old port, which is a, the Cambridge Marine Terminal. And it was through my work on, in transportation on the Cambridge Marine Terminal that I was first introduced to the Eastern Shore Land Conservancy. And then through a mix of different stars aligning, it, I was able to kind of transition and, and join ESLC at the time as the director of the Center for Towns. So before we jump into ESLC and the work that you guys do in the Center for Towns, um, why don't you paint a picture of this beloved shore? So, you know, you obviously it comes through pretty clear that, that you love your home place. And it's funny, we interviewed in a previous episode Amanda Fenstermaker from Dorchester County. And she had a very similar story where she moved away for college and then realized, oh, my God, I miss this place and came back. So obviously there is a very strong pull to the shore. So for someone who has never been there before, maybe start with the geography. Where is this place? What does it look like? And why does it matter? Sure. I would say the Eastern Shore is a place that gets into your bones, right? Like you just, uh, it seeps inside of us. And before we realize it, uh, we're craving all of those things. And, you know, it is an interesting place for a youth and growing up and when, when I did, which is not that long ago, but how many things have changed right over that time. For many of us, we experience what we don't have access to, and we long for those things. And I think for Amanda, not speaking for her, but as similar as then we go away to experience those and realize that what we had was really everything that, that we needed um, in our life. So the Eastern Shore is a rural region. Uh, I think our most significant industry is agriculture. It's a mix of agricultural lands and towns and villages. Um, we are, many of our communities um, are on the water, the Chesapeake Bay or the many um, rivers and, and tributaries that um, come off of the bay. So it is a place of abundance in land and water resources. We have Blackwater Wildlife National Refuge and just all sorts of, of assets that are prime for outdoor recreation and kind of experiencing the, the many types of landscapes. And so the Eastern Shore Land Conservancy works to protect these places. Give us the, the thumbnail on what your organization does and your role in all of that. Sure. So the Eastern Shore Land Conservancy is a regional nonprofit that works in the six mid and upper shore counties on Maryland's eastern shore. And we are committed to preserving and sustaining the vibrant communities of the Maryland's eastern shore and the lands and waters that connect them. So we have a vision for an eastern shore where the towns are vibrant and well-defined, the farms, forests, and fisheries are thriving, and the scenic, historic, natural, and riverine landscapes are maintained. While at our root, we are a land conservation organization and have preserved 60,000 acres over that footprint, we really say that we work across land, towns, and people, because ultimately those landscapes are interconnected and all have to be thriving together. And so what are the big threats to that future? I mean, what is, what is ESLC up against? I'm familiar with some of them, but some of the listeners may not be. So what is it that you're up against that on the shore? 
Sure. I think we are up against significant development pressure. I mean, we're really a, a bit of an oasis in, in what is in the mid-Atlantic, this megapolis of development, uh, the D.C. corridor, Philadelphia, Baltimore, all of these pieces. And if you, it's interesting if you look at a, a satellite picture at night and you see this kind of quiet, this small quiet refuge on the eastern shore and the sea of lights. And so, you know, we're constantly trying to encourage and advocate for responsible growth, um, creating strong, vibrant, well-defined towns, staying strong to the boundaries around our towns, to preserving the landscapes for uh, human interaction and for wildlife and biodiversity. There's also an element that is rooted in much of the work we do, and that's around the economic opportunity. You know, we don't want to create a snapshot in time in our conservation of the landscape. We want to create a, a working, thriving landscape and create ways that we can build economic opportunity or enhance the economic viability of our working landscape. And so I guess the economic piece there is maybe a good segue here, which is you have the Center for Towns. What's the the background story on that, the history of that. I know that was sort of the first way in which you um, worked with um, ESLC before you moved to the position that you're in now. What is that attempting to accomplish? Sure. And the Center for Towns is focused on building strong, vibrant, well-defined towns. And it was created at a time that the region was feeling significant development pressure. We were seeing a lot of the agricultural lands outside of the town boundaries being sold and being, and being redeveloped. And we started thinking about, again, how can we create more vibrancy in our towns and allow them to be the magnets for growth in the region. And so part of that focus was by alleviating development pressure off of the agricultural lands, we were able to, to help stop the sprawl-type development, but also save the, the working landscape. So is it working? It is working. <laughs> Do you have some good success stories? Like, is there anything in particular during your time there that you're pretty proud of? We do have success stories of, for example, ESLC. So our Center for Towns works across a handful of services or focuses. We do everything from building capacity. Each of our towns have a very different level of capacity, both in knowledge and, and staff size. We've looked at master planning, helping communities do visioning around um, specific spaces or even whole communities and design around how you can create communities and, and um, design them in a way that kind of creates a more dynamic, walkable, vibrant community. We've looked at and have worked on many park projects in towns, but where we really settled into as being the most impactful is adaptive reuse of our historic factories and structures that are being underutilized and aren't providing kind of productivity to the community or the economy. And that's a way that we can create real on-the-ground change. And ESLC at the time was located for our first almost 25 years, was located on a beautiful waterfront farm on the University of Maryland's Y Research and Education Campus. But we were 20 minutes from the nearest civilization, and we had launched the Center for Towns, and we were talking about the importance of redevelopment and infill and revitalization, and we decided that it was time for us as an organization to chart a path forward and really lead by example and put our money where our mouth was, and we started looking at various properties across the region that were underutilized factories or, or buildings that could house our headquarters, but also a create a co-location of conservation, environmental-minded nonprofits. So we settled into the old McCord Laundry Factory in Easton, 
and we repurposed a three-building, 23,000-square-foot campus into a, a LEED-certified kind of green campus with uh, six different partner organizations that are nonprofits. We have for-profit businesses. We have four residential apartments. We have a cafe, an abundance of space that the community can come in and use, a beautiful courtyard and those pieces. And what we have seen is really positive results happening around us. And there are buildings that were sitting and also deteriorating that have been purchased and they have been restored and individuals have moved their businesses in and they have said to us, we're here because you're here. We wouldn't have made this investment if you hadn't started with the, with the McCord and it's called the Eastern Shore Conservation Center. Very industrial chic, good energy. We are fully leased and we have a waiting list. But I think one of the most important things that this building did for us is as people come in, whether it is to see ESLC or to see other partner organizations or to come in for an event, they have an opportunity to experience. Um, I talk about a sensory experience a lot in our town's work, and an easy example is if you walk down a street versus driving down the street, you experience it very differently. You hear things, you see things, you feel things differently. And it's a similar example in this building as we were talking about redevelopment and why it was important, a lot of people weren't able to make that connection from a vacant deteriorated building and they're looking at it and going, I don't understand why this is so important. But now that they can come in and they can feel it and experience it and touch it and see the effect that it is having on the community, they now become advocates for the principles in which we were, are working towards and are trying to build a broader understanding about. So you guys are obviously, I mean, you're like true believers now in adaptive use, which is interesting because you started this, you know, as you mentioned, 25 years or longer doing land conservation, 60,000 acres. Do you think ESLC is unique in that? Or is that, I mean, you you know the land conservation movement better than I do. Is, is that unique? Are you seeing that trend with land conservation organizations, recognizing the, the value of, of sort of that interconnected piece of reuse? Sure. I don't think that, I think ESLC is unique in a, a lot of ways. You know, I focused on, on the towns because that's something I'm very passionate about. Um, but we also have a coast resiliency program. The Eastern Shore is the third most susceptible region in the United States for rising sea levels. And you know, so we touch uh, kind of more broadly, but specifically for the towns, they play an increasingly critical role in shaping the landscape and character. And I, I don't think that all organizations and all believers in conservation have made that connection and understand why it's so important to, to look at those as interconnected components. And so I think we, again, will continue to use our work and allow it to speak for itself and to show why it's important to make that transition. But I do see more organizations considering the community development revitalization components into their work. So speaking of that, if, if people out there thought that the McCord Laundry and the Eastern Shore Conservation Center project was big, you, you haven't seen anything yet because you guys are working on a, a, a really big project at the Phillips packing plant. So tell us about that. What's, what's on tap here? What are you working on now? Maybe starting with sort of the scale, the size, the history of the place that you're working on. Sure. So we are working to repurpose the Phillips Packing Company Factory F in Cambridge, Maryland. We call it the Packing House. So I'll refer to that uh, as that for the rest of the conversation. 
Uh, well, we really started from a place of finishing the McCord and the Eastern Shore Conservation Center and thinking about the impact it was having and where else we could be having a similar impact. And we were working on an adjacent site to the packing house that we call Cannery Park. And we worked with the city to acquire the site and to have some conversations about creating this a new urban park in the geographic kind of center of the city, and next to it is this deteriorating structure. We started talking about what message are we sending about vibrancy and investing into our communities if you create a park and a meaningful gathering place for the whole community, and next door is a deteriorating asset. So we started from the lens of what can we do to save this culturally and historically significant building? And in that, we wanted to think about how it could support our local economy. So through a lot of conversations, uh, we kind of settled into we could build on the Eastern Shore's tradition of agricultural and fishing assets to create a mixed-use development that is intended to support and grow regional economic opportunities connected to agriculture, aquaculture, environmental technologies, and tourism. And so we're really thinking about what's the next generation of strategic opportunity around agriculture, which is such an important industry for us, but the landscape is changing in many ways um, in those industries. And we want to think about how we can be supporting jobs and education um, for our communities. And so how big is it? And yeah, I mean, just, just give us the, I guess, the, the quick breakdown, the rundown here. Sure. So it's 60,000 square feet, so about three times the size of the Conservation Center campus. And it is the last remaining factory from what was a 60-acre campus of the Phillips Packing Company, which obviously employed thousands in their factories. But we also think about the trickling effects and the complementary industries that were also impacted by the operations of the packing company and transportation and logistics and, and the produce that they bought from Delmarva producers. Um, there was obviously a significant economic gap left when the packing company finally closed in the 1960s. Um, this building is, is special. It is the last remaining factory from the campus. It's also the only factory they ever constructed any portion of. So as the packing company grew, they acquired existing factories. Um, so kind of like Pac-Man, they uh, bought what was around them. But this building, the original structure was built in 1920 for the Cambridge Furniture Company. And then the packing company acquired it in 1929 and put on an addition. Um, and it's so there's some fun play on material. So the original structure is all wood. The 1929 edition is all brick and steel. So there's a lot of interesting aesthetics that we'll be able to use to our advantage as we restore the building. And so in terms of restoration and reuse, what's the plan for it? I mean, obviously, it's it's a critical piece of the Shores history. It also is, is going to be a critical piece to Cambridge's future. How are you planning on using it and who are you partnering with to make that happen? Sure. So we are working with Cross Street Partners, which is a development firm based out of Baltimore. It's Bill Strever's company. Um, he's done a lot of notable kind of historic industrial, but this is their this is their specialty. They are working around the country on these historic industrial beat up buildings, and they transform them into hubs of community activity. So with the the lens around agriculture and environmental technologies, we have a handful of mix of uses that will contribute to building and cultivating the ecosystem and building a community around those industries. The first is a kitchen business incubator, so production scale commercial kitchen facility that can provide a space for value-added production. 
We have a shared use office, Innovation Hub, which is kind of a placeholder name. But the idea there is a very dense, diverse, lively mix of people and businesses and programs, so entrepreneurs, small businesses, university system programs, larger, more established businesses, and kind of creating space for learning and capacity building and, and launching some of these ideas and some of these technologies from the ideas to a sound business. So part of our our very limited role in comparison to all the hard work that you've been putting into this it, through Preservation Maryland is to promote and publicize and, and also support some of the work that you're doing to preserve different unique historic aspects of the structure, including the, the two sort of iconic smokestacks that rise out over the, the otherwise pretty flat landscape there. How much space do you have left? Are you still looking for tenants? I mean, I know we have a lot of people listening with a lot of different contexts and people always listening, looking for unique spaces. Is there is there still space for people at um, this exciting project? Yes, we do still have space available. I think it's an exciting time to come in as we're refining the use plan and have some flexibility in, in how uh, we mold together all of these different users. We are still looking for an operator for a brewery or a distillery. And we have space for an oyster bar or an eatery and then some food retail mixed in. And obviously, the smokestacks are an iconic focal point um, on the horizon in Cambridge. Um, they're visible from Route 50, from the Chop Tank Bridge. We're located just a block off of Route 50. It's really easy access on and off. So while this project is intended to grow regional economic opportunity, there's also huge amount of individuals and traffic that goes by the building on Route 50 onto the beach. And we do plan on drawing some of that in. I think there's the synergy between the building and the park site, which combined with an inactive freight rail line that's being converted to a trail is nine acres adjacent to the building, that it's really going to be a special gathering place. I kind of call it tactical placemaking as, as I see what we're creating there. And we're creating a place where people can gather and ultimately interact with economically. And that's going to be, I think, a huge advantage is having the recreation site adjacent to the packing house and allowing for the flow of people in between the two. And what's the timeline for it? When, when are you optimistically hoping that you'll actually begin work on, on rehab? Sure. I think uh, it is optimistic, but also uh, somewhat real is that we are targeting financial closing for the overall project in the second quarter of 2019, and it will take about a year, a full year for construction. So we hope that we hope to be open in uh, mid-2020. And I mean, you've been living and breathing this thing. This is your project. I know you've been supported by a lot of different folks, and I know that the whole organization is behind it, but you really have been have been in it. Will you, uh, let's let's clear out any rumors, will you be moving to the packing plant once it's done and actually just living there then? Will I be moving into the packing house? I will yeah. not be moving into the okay, packing house. Okay, so that is a myth. We a- We're clearing it up here. It's not going to happen. She's not moving in, folks. I'm going to be the ghost that's uh, wandering around the spirit that they can't rid the building of. Um, but no, you will spend a, a lot of time at the place. oyster bar. I will spend a lot of time at the packing house in the park. I will say it is for anyone who drives through the region, it's an unassuming brick factory from the outside, but it is 
truly exceptional inside. Um, and I urge everyone to kind of visit the, the project information and take a look. And if you are driving by, we always love to share the space. Yeah. So if people want to learn more or perhaps they know somebody who is looking for space or an entrepreneur that's looking for, um, you know, a place to set up shop. And I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to think about Cambridge. Where would you send them? Do you have a, a project website? We do. The project website is thepackinghousecambridge.com. Perfect. So we'll send them there. That's where they can learn more. Um, if they want to find out more about the Eastern Shore Land Conservancy and all of your work, what's that website? The website is eslc.org. Simple. And before we let you go, the most difficult question you will answer all day, your favorite historic place or site? That's such a hard question. And for all the listeners, Nick didn't give me a heads up, so I feel a little like... <laughs> we rarely I, I, do, uh, to be fair. We rarely do. I, I'm not sure. So at the moment, because I am literally right living and breathing it every day, I'm going to say right now my favorite historic spot. Can I say the packing house? Does that count? It's it's a little easy, We're, <laughs> and, but because we love the project so much, we will let you off on it. But we may have to have you on again in the future to try and get an update on this. I'll put some thought into what my other favorite historic spot is. No, but it, it, it I mean, I've been there many times, um, certainly not as many as you, um, but I can attest to the unique nature of it. I think several of, of the staff here and I agree that our, the noodle room is perhaps our favorite space. So, um, and if you want to learn more about that, I guess you'll just have to go to your website and find out, right? Yes. Well, Katie, it's been a pleasure to have you on. We, we appreciate all the fantastic work that you're doing on the shore. Um, great to hear about all of this work. And, and let's have you back on again in the future so that we can talk about this Phillips project, not in a, uh, a forward sense or a future sense, but talk about it in the past tense and, and hear about all the good work that came together and how we made it all possible. And look forward to doing that again with you in the future. Thanks again. I look forward to that day. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's show, notes, and all previous episodes, visit PreserveCast.org. You can also find us online at Facebook and Twitter at PreserveCast. This program was supported by the Historic Preservation Education Foundation. PreserveCast is produced by Preservation Maryland in Baltimore City. Thanks again for your support, and remember to keep preserving.